And on a Sunday, my ticket is a one-way I'm about to play in the sky I always knew you'd make it one day Today was such a fun day Welcome back to Wazi Circus Radio, a show where I sit down with the most amazing people that I've met in over a decade of professional skydiving. My guest today can easily be the most interesting man in the world. I'm not fucking kidding. His dad was a fucking fighter pilot. He became a para-rescue in the Air Force. I think that is the coolest fucking job on the planet next to the operators. I know some guys. Fuck that. That is amazing. Check it out. Check it out. Grew up in Okinawa. Um, Whoa! Right? Didn't no, you? no, where, I didn't grow up in. I I spent two years on Okinawa as a PJ. No, as a kid, where were you? The kid? Oh was no, that no, a no. bullshit story? No, no, it wasn't a bullshit story. It wasn't on Okinawa. <laughs> okay, you got okay. Right, it was so in Japan. We can straighten some things out. So, you, yeah. do you want to finish the intro, or you? Yeah, uh, I'll finish the intro. You finish the intro, and then I'll fix it. <laughs> this cat left the states to study Ishirinu. Uh, close Ishinru Karate. Uh, karate. Was that in Okinawa? Uh, that was in Okinawa. I mixed it up. I mean, it, it was I'm an Okinawan form of karate. Right. And but you I had, went there to study that shit. Well, I had studied Ishinru karate in the States. All right. And, and of all places, uh, uh, Cleveland, Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear they have great jujitsu. Oh, in Cleveland, my God. It is a world of scholarship <laughs> and, uh, and liberal thinking. Uh, <laughs> And and there was a guy there, a brown belt, and I uh, can't remember his name right now. But I just kept begging him to uh, to train me, and so he trained. Uh, we started training, and uh, I did pretty well. I mean, I was an athlete. I'd been playing football, and I'd wrestled in high school. But they taught you martial arts in the Air Force. Uh, not really. No, they taught me how to shoot guns and put bandages on people. I mean, that's okay. what PJs are. They're paramedics who fight. Right. Uh, right. So you know, you're you, the hero's you, fucking hero. Let's put it in perspective. Well, we man. like to think so. Well, the uh, heroes I mean, think that, so that, too. The heroes are there busting their butts, uh, and well, then you save the heroes. Well, Come on, man. Who saves the hero saver? Well, uh, okay. Are there hero if, savers? There are definitely hero savers, but those were people who went to war, and I want to be mm. really clear about that. Right. Uh, I w- I went into the Air Force in February of '73 basically because I didn't know what else to do. My life was totally in the toilet. How old were you? You were 18? Uh, I was 22. 22. Almost 23. I turned 23 in May while I was in my fundamental training, what we call indoctrination training now. Had you begun your college career at this point? Oh, uh, oh, that's a sad, sad story. I I I wish I would have went to the Air Force when I hit that sad, sad point. Air Force, I, you know? I cannot recommend it enough. Right. Um, it's got great technical training. And if you want it to be physically soft you and you're able to get into one of those career fields, it can be physically soft. You can work in an office or you can work on uh, very technical uh, aspects without having to be, you know, just this rock hard jock. Right. Uh, but, you know, I came out of... I started college at 18. Uh, I, uh, short story, 
I was not a very good student in high school. And so my parents, my father was a naval officer, my right. parents had broken up, and so my stepmother wanted nothing to do with me, so I got stuck in a military school in Virginia. And that cool. kept me out of fist fights for the most part. And I, you know, I played football, and they stood over me every night to study, and that put me on the honor oh, roll and got good. me into college. Well, fuck, so damn. I, you know, I had a partial scholarship for football at the University of Virginia, but- What position? I, I was a running back. Nice. I was uh, running back as a tailback, fullback. I had moderately good speed. I wasn't very big. Uh, but at the time, UVA, uh, University of Virginia, they weren't that impressive uh, from okay. a football perspective. I, and I wanted to play Southeastern Conference football. So I had connections, family connections at uh, University of Mississippi. And so I walked on down there. Stupidest thing I ever did. <laughs> did you get smashed up? So? Oh, I got smashed up so bad. Now, I, I will you know tell you, you this was in 1968. There were 28 black kids who were students, as I recall, in the entire university at that time. It had only recently been desegregated. Wow. There were no black football players. Consequently, we had no speed, right. uh, but which gave me a shot. Right. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that that was a bad thing for me, but I walked right. on and uh, I was competitive, but they only put real effort and money into their scholarship players. They did right. not handle walk-ons uh, very well. But after a year and a half, I just kind of, well, not to put too fine a point on it, I had, uh, I just, I quit going to class and I flunked out. Yeah, it happens. Man. It happens. I spent a year as a plumber. I wound up in Detroit. Holy shit. Yeah, I wound up in Detroit and I got a job with uh, a guy who, Okay, I don't even know if I should say this, but it is kind of weird. Well, I'll sit on it for a week, so if you want me to take it out, I'll, I can go All right, and take so, it out. All right, so listen, dude. I come from about as much privilege as this society offers most people. I went to Detroit to work on a farm for two weeks in the middle of winter for my mother. My mother, when she divorced my father, who was this naval officer, and I had a great career, um, she remarried the president of General Motors. Holy shit. Yeah, holy shit. And, and so I was just kind of, well, I guess I'm going to go do this for a while. And not really kind of, I, I mean, I wasn't able to take advantage of it because I just wasn't very smart about it at all. What, what were you studying before you ended up in Detroit? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I started out as pre-med because everybody on my father's side, other than my father, were doctors. Right. Uh, then I think uh, I went from pre-med, uh, and I did okay. I didn't do badly the first right. year. Then I got a girlfriend, and she was gorgeous. She was this little Southern belle, and uh, I, I, on my Facebook page it says I majored in football, Janet and drinking beer. I saw that. that yeah, was, that's Janet. I, my, huh? yeah, oh, Janet was gorgeous. Janet. She was Janet just gorgeous. Around? Where's Janet now? Uh, with kids she's somewhere? in Utah, I think married to uh, some Mormon dude, uh, living uh, living on a mountain. 
Little? Yeah, and Little she's a nurse. She's a nurse. She was this bright girl. I, yeah. I flunked out. She was a 4 0 She kept going. She kept going. But yeah. at any rate, so there I so was. So now you are so you at, on was, the farm. I was on the farm for two weeks. Then I moved into the big house in uh, Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. And uh, immediately, uh, I, you know, I started looking around for some opportunity. These guys came in. Uh, a plumbing company to hook up the main sewer system and water system from the city because they were still on a septic system out there in Bloomfield mm-hmm. Hills. They hooked it up to the house. And uh, I got to know the guys, and they thought, wow, this is weird. This guy, he's the son of the president of General Motors, which isn't true. I was just a stepson. Right. Uh, I do have a brother who is actually uh, Ed Cole's son, who's, and Ed was an amazing dude. Awesome. Uh, brilliant, off-the-charts IQ, engineer, became president of General Motors without a college degree. Awesome. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. Shout but out, at any, Yeah, so at, at any rate, um, so I asked him for a job, and he's like, rich kid. Right. He didn't know me. But at any rate, uh, I was, you know, physical. So right. I started, I was a plumber for a year. And I bought a motorcycle, and as soon as it got cold again, I headed south, went down to Corpus Christi, lived with my grandmother, started writing letters to colleges, and I got a scholarship offer from Delta State College to play football. I was fat, out of shape. Oh, Weighed 220 pounds. And, right, right, uh, just I immediately pulled a couple of hamstrings and lost my scholarship. And the next thing I knew, oh, uh, no. I went down to Key West. My dad was egressing from the Navy and... The next thing I knew, I was in the Air Force, and that's how I wound up in pararescue. But God bless that. Well, yeah, because it saved my life. Yeah, it yeah, literally definitely. did. Well, I think all the things leading up to it, all the disappointments, allowed you to accept the Air Force more readily. Because if you still had like hope, that maybe I could ball. I don't want to go to the Air Force, or maybe I, I could. I was done. Yeah, you were done. You had to be done to move on. I was. Man. But you know, you didn't have to be a particularly fast sprinter to. Uh, do the pararescue gig. Uh, it was, without question, the most physically demanding thing I have ever done in my life. I never wanted to quit. You just had this mentality while you're going through all of it, uh, especially the indoctrination training, that they're going to have to kill me to, to get, get me. Well, to, you're going to have to do that to get through some shit. Yeah, like I mean, we, we went to the qualification uh, round. We, we'd signed a sheet, said we're going to show up for a PT test. And this was like the first week I was in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we uh, had to swim. I had to swim a mile. Well, I was over muscled. The only thing that kept me afloat was the fat I had accumulated. <laughs> uh, but by then, I was actually pretty lean again. So I was yeah. negatively buoyant. And, uh, I, you know, I managed to get through the swim. I was monstrous on push-ups, pull-ups, and mm-hmm. and the run. I did fine. And uh, two of us out of the entire crowd got in. My old roommate, Paul Kalumna, who became a career PJ. He and I were roommates. He was from the Dominican Republic. DR, yeah, you yeah, know, he was like Spanish. He was black. I mean, he was he was this super handsome, cool dude who could dance like crazy. Right. And uh, and he was so handsome that we'd go out to clubs and he was like bait, you know, because right. I couldn't dance at all. I, I was like just hopeless. <laughs> but at any rate. Uh, so, so you tried out for PJ school immediately? Or yeah. Were you guys? No, no. Uh, this was know? right out of oh, base. So this dad... was in 
Ba- you, no. This your dad was, didn't guide you on this? No, no. He had nothing to do with any of that. It, he, the only thing he did was say, why don't you join the service? So I interviewed with the Army, the Marines, the Air Force, uh, and the Navy. And, and I'm why like, not the Navy? Your I father had the just legacy. don't want to go on to ship, man. Me neither. I Me just neither didn't want to do that. And we were on the Lexington two weeks ago. I was like, I couldn't do this. But there you go. I mean, ship no life way. is crowded. Uh, you know, it's a bunch of guys. It stinks. Uh, yeah. I, mean, you know, I was like, so the Air Force just seemed like a cooler thing. <laughs> no, I was going to be a gun plumber. I, right. I was going to work on uh, weapons systems. And uh, so at any rate, as they sh- I went into this room and there was 200 raw recruits in this big room. And... In walks this guy, uh, and he's in jungle fatigues because Vietnam was just over. And he had this square jaw, handsome face, and he walks up to the front of the room, and he turns around, and I'd only been looking at the left side of his face. The right side of his face was destroyed. He had, he had, uh, the story was that he went down on the forest penetrator. That's what PJs do after uh, down fighter pilots in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And the VC sit there and they wait for that moment. And mm-hmm. then they shoot the helicopter down over the top of the whole shebang. Oh. And it fell on him and uh, he got whacked and it just, his entire- By the fucking blade? By the blade and the entire right side of his face had been rebuilt. His name was John Hoberg. And this guy Shout gave a talk, John and John was so impressive. He had, you know, here he was broken in this way, and he had you know, talk on the side of his face, and he had so much power. It, it was just, you know, if you're a young guy, you were like twenty fucking two. I was twenty two years old at the time. I looked at that and I go, "That's who I want. I want that. Be. I want that, that so guy. bad." So I signed one, yeah. one list, and that got me to the PT test oh, with about a hundred guys, nice. and two of us uh, came out of that whole gaggle of guys, Paul and myself. So soldier, doctor, soldier. Uh, you're a you're, you're you're a warrior medic is what you are. Uh, and so are you are you legal bait on the battlefield? Like you know, like a medic, you shouldn't attack. Oh, you got guns, man. You're, so you're, you're, you're armed, and and no, you're armed. Uh, you come down uh, on the forest penetrator armed with med kit. Right. Uh, you're definitely resort, there baby. to do war and to fix people. Right. And uh, I mean, it's a great career field. I have nothing but respect for pararescue and uh, the whole uh, I'm still, you know, I still go to the reunions uh, and I see guys I've known. I'm I'm going to Larry Henderson's thing uh, in uh, Dallas this week. Larry Henderson. He's pararescue also. No, 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 no. You know, Larry Henderson. Yeah. No. um, Larry is organizing 42 ways. He's been doing yeah. this stuff for, for years. years. And He's I used to go for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't been in a couple of years, but he invited me back. So nice. I'm going up there. And one of my best buddies from California, Tom Baronic, Tom, Tom's a monster. Tom uh, was a career PJ who transitioned from pararescue, specific just the pararescue teams, 
to JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command. So he was teamed up with SEALs and uh, Army Special Forces, Marines, uh, Marine Recon. I mean, the JSOC teams, He to this day, and he's been out for a long time, he's been retired, he won't tell me what he did. Mm. He can't. He's he's covered under the Official Secrets Act, and Heavy he hitters. respects it to the max. Uh, but hitters. he he will you know say things like, "Yeah, we went into a situation. We had to slept in forty eight hours, and uh, you know, and it's just stuff I can't talk about." And yeah. and he sticks to that. But he'll be up there. And, and Tom was well, awesome. an AFF instructor at the Air Force uh, Freefall School, and so nice. he still skydives. I say, you know, I mean, we're both. I'm sixty nine. He's uh-huh. sixty seven. Right. And. You know, we both stay in great shape. I mean, I used to think, I used to say that my goal was just, you know, be a monster, be buff, be tough, learn to fight, and and just be as tough as, I'm just trying to die slower now. (laughs) Right, right. Because, I mean, you're 43, you haven't really felt it yet. Are you kidding me? Uh, But I got to tell you. Probably not the 69, but I felt the Oh Well, it's coming, babe. It's coming. Uh, And what I regret most is football from the destruction point of view. I was going to ask you, any concussions, any any long-lasting effect? (laughs) I know you did. Back in the day, you guys went hard. Oh, my God. I was a red shirt at Ole Miss, and I can remember. And I was I was not very big. I was had moderate speed, but I was so tough back then. And I pay a price for being that tough because mm-hmm. I'd go through the line. And uh, I remember going through the line in spring training as a red shirt, and there was a guy named Hap Farber who I knew Hap because his dad had been a classmate of my dad's at the Naval Academy. And there okay. he was. A, he was a varsity senior uh, linebacker Killer. at Ole Miss. He was very tough. And I just put my head down. I put it on the, his belt buckle, and I hit him with, at least I think I hit him with all the force I could muster because the next thing I remember was waking up in his arms being carried back <laughs> to the offensive <laughs> side. <laughs> And I said, I, what, what, what's going on? Yeah. And the coach, you know what the coach said? You better sit one out. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. it. You better sit one out. And so I sat one or two out, and then I was right back in. Oh, I was yeah, seeing stars all the time. That yeah. Now the, the, the concussion protocol is getting better. Is much better than it used to be. But yeah, that takes me to a different moment, and it's it's a political moment. If this is okay, I do special. Okay, so if you go through my Facebook pages, you remember when the kneeling for the national anthem with the pros yep. came down. There we go, yes, sir. And you know, I'm looking at that, and, and I've got all this military guys who are my Facebook buddies and friends, and and, and I'm you know I'm looking at that. And, and it probably has something to do with the fact that I've been in academia for ni- since 1996. You know, my views have shifted. Have shifted. You grow as a human being if you stay alert and engaged. You right. you don't try to stay the same. You allow yourself to learn from what you experience. And I'm looking at that demonstration, and I'm looking at all the hullabaloo and, you know, Trump getting on it and, and you know, doing the stuff he does, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call that. Right. And I'm going, 
wait a minute. This is a peaceful protest. This is what America is about. This is what all of my military friends who actually went to war were actually fighting for. Right. The, the freedom to peacefully have this exhibition of disagreement. Right. And if, if there was any pure uh, you know, exposition of, of freedom, I, I mean, tell me where the hell it is. Right. So in, in any case, uh, I, I do run afoul of, of a lot of my friends, but I put it on Facebook and, oh, my God. Did it come down? Oh, my you? God. Yeah, it just kept coming world. in. The crazy, yeah, you know, but... it, it's, it's like, you know, when I do anything on religion and it just comes mm. back and, uh, <laughs> you know, and it becomes, uh, Jesus lives. Fuck you, Jeff. Uh, you know, like, what? <laughs> what? Did you hear what I said? <laughs> I mean, come on. I, and yeah. I'm trying to be as mild and, and as pretty, tempered as I am. You're pretty fucking mild, Jeffy. I'm I'm try to be generous with people yeah. and and give them the you know the allow them to think about things. So let, let's go back to your childhood in Japan. Sure. So uh, well, I, I'm sorry. I said no. Okay. That's okay. What, so uh, yeah, you know my old man was a naval officer uh -huh. and he uh, was a fighter pilot in Korea. Okay. And uh, so eventually my family moved to uh, we we came into Yokohama which is a harbor in uh -huh. uh, Japan and then we lived in Yokosuka and I lived uh, he wanted to impress my mother who was not easy to impress but she was going along with the deal she, uh -huh. you're moving me and these two kids right. to Japan trust me I had to do it to Austin oh, I can't imagine well, okay Japan, Japan. Yeah, well yeah, right. what this was in 19, it's either 53, 54, was that, 53. Seven, eight years after the fucking. Yeah, we dropped two nuclear weapons on Japan. It was after the war ended. 46? No, 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 no. This is, we, we dropped, well, we, 45 is, 45. I think it was July or August of 45, 45. August of 45. Okay. So it wasn't that long. And, you know, I was like four. Right. And, uh, there was there were no American kids out there, and there was this Japanese family that lived in a house that was maybe a hundred yards away, and they were farmers. They were rice farmers, and uh, it was just an amazing sort of existence. And they had a little kid about my age, and he and I, uh, I didn't. I mean, we're four. We don't speak that good of English or well, Japan right, uh, right. Japanese, and right. we got along absolutely. Fine. We played in the rice paddies. We played the polywogs. Uh, I recently got. What is a polywog? Uh, just the uh, uh, larval stage of uh, frogs. The frogs. Okay. Yeah. Polywogs. Yeah. Yeah. Polywogs. They got tails, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. they get a little older, and you see the feet growing. And you know, we'd collect them, and you know, watch them swim around, and put them back, uh, or you know, take them home and let them die. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kids, I, I mean, we're kids. Yeah, uh, yeah. We don't know any better. But uh, I had a great time with that kid, and I. Yeah, um, I, I could. Okay, his name was Tatsuo. That's total bullshit. Uh, Tatsuo. But, uh, yeah, Tatsuo, <laughs> but I got to call him something. You don't remember his name? No, nah, I don't remember his name. I was so, four. Yeah, you're four. Yeah, his right, four. Right, right. His name was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something. Yeah. So, at any rate. So, um, you, you, I was there for three years, by the way. Okay, so you're really big into meditation now. 
I am. Has uh, it been a whole life thing from your roots? In the well, world? I got to tell you. Um, so uh, when I got out of the Air Force, because you know when when I was in the Air Force and I was jumping out of airplanes, uh, just as a preamble to that. Uh, it, so. You're a younger skydiver. I'm sure you love hearing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm the oldest dude at the DZ. I, no, shot. not when you're at my not DZ. At I mean, you got yeah, George Nissen over there. Guys. I mean, he's 74. Yeah, yeah. George is actually am, he's amazing. Actually, yeah. I mean, he's hero. He's friend I, of the show. He's been on the show. I, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, he's a chopper pilot. It was a chopper he's pilot a in Vietnam. Scout. He was a scout in Vietnam. I know. Holy I know. shit! No, he was an he's an amazing guy, and he's still learning and growing in the sport. I mean, he's, flies a Valkyrie. He flies a Valkyrie. He can't get enough. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, he I, cannot get enough. You know, I'll go out there on a Saturday about 10 a.m. He's been there since Friday, yep. jumping his butt off. <laughs> and I, I think the reason of that is he really wasn't a football player. I think football right. Uh, and you. martial arts, uh, and uh, and you know the really vigorous stuff that some of it I did in the military. Uh, you know, I, I ran hard for twenty years. It's just right. I'm a orthopedic nightmare. Systemically, I'm I'm you know diamonds, but right, right, uh, right. orthopedically, I mean the shoulder. I'm looking at shoulder shoulder surgery. Yeah, you and I both. I've I've had two back surgeries. Oh, uh, you know. I wake up in the morning and I'm just, it, you go through this inventory. Okay, what's working? So, so have, have you, as a chemist, yeah, the anti aging movement, chemicals like Enamin or resveratrol. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do all of that. Uh, so, so you, I've, I've, I've read, there was a Harvard study on the resveratrol. Right. Hasn't, I mean, they did this study, they were feeding mice. Uh, extraordinary amounts of resveratrol, which you find in the skin of uh, red grapes. So you have a certain, a very tiny amount in red wine. Right. And I think it all came from the Mediterranean diet. And uh, people were sort of looking at people who were on these diets, living longer lives and, and being somewhat healthier in their older years. So all these studies started to go on. Resveratrol had this study. It hasn't really panned out, but I haven't given up on it. Uh, I still I buy either. extraordinary amounts of supplements. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got, you know, as soon as I started, I started studying chemistry. I was 46. When you started chemistry? Yeah, when I started chemistry. I mean, I was, look, dude, you, dude. I was in California, you know, acting had just, it had just fizzled. It wasn't that I still didn't do a little bit of it here and there. How many but, movies did you do? Oh, God, I, I did shit. You did a bunch of movies. No, I did not. What was that movie? I, that, that, so what was it, that Western? Uh, Highlands? Uh, no, 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 no. The, the Western I did was a no-budget uh, film uh, called Heathens. Heathens. That yeah, was, was, oh heathens. my God. I, yeah, don't, let's, let's just better left that. Okay. Let that <laughs> dog. Yeah. It was on Blip TV for years. Right and uh, I'm like, Fine oh, Heathens, yeah. ladies and what gentlemen. I got, what I got were some good pictures of me in Western garb as the sheriff. But right. uh, I mean, it all started. I, 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 I told you before that, you know, I, I, uh, was lucky. I got to L.A. I'd done some acting in Dallas, and I was in a movie. Uh, oh my God! Uh, 
called? Uh, oh my God, uh, I can't think of the name of it but, right now. But, but it, it was a it was a killer dog movie, and I had a small part. But it got me in the Screen Actors Guild and in nice. AFTRA, and uh, so it got me in the unions. So I went to L.A., and within a month, I got uh, I started sending out resumes and pictures. And within a month, I got a call from a guy named J. Michael Bloom. And J. Michael's office called me, said, J. Michael would like to interview. Uh, so I was like, sure, okay. And uh, so I went there uh, to his office, and I talked to him for a bit. And I said, well, I'm not going to sign you. I don't do that. But uh, I'll send you out on some auditions and see how you do. So I got a call a few days later to go audition for Star Search. Fucking Star Search. Star Search, man. It was the first year I was on, I believe. Uh, Ed McMahon was still alive. He was the host. Holy shit. You got to meet Ed McMahon? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yo, most uh, of our fucking viewers yeah. have no idea what we're talking about. I, Star I, Search it, was the first American Idol without the phone-in calls. Like, Star Search. Well, there were judges and shit, right? There were judges, and they were friends of Sam Riddle, who was the producer of Star Search. They'd come, he, he'd just get people to come in and be judges. Wow. And so, you know, they sent me a script, and I went in and did a scene with Sally Struthers, and she was so cool. It, you, it, most people won't know who Sally Struthers is. She was on an old show called All in the Family, All and she was the, the hot blonde uh, who was kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she was a little older and you know, mm -hmm. it didn't look exactly the but same, she but still she was still Sally, and she was just absolutely wonderful. And I did this scene with her, and uh, this guy named Clayton Norcross was the champion. He had won the week before. And uh, so we filmed what you have to do since it's a competition and it's taped is you film me winning and him losing, you film him oh, winning, shit. me losing, yeah, and then Sally's standing in the middle and she's just squeezing my hand. She's just squeezing my hand uh, while we're doing these different tapes. And when I, and she, she just got a secret glance when the cameras weren't on. I think you won. And, and I did. I won. You I fucking won. won. I won. You yeah. fucking won Star yeah. Search. I won, I won one episode of Star Search. Shut the fuck up. That's Two awesome. weeks later, uh -huh. I came down. I totally shut down. I did a scene with... Joan Van Ark, who was from Knott's Landing. Knott's Landing? Yeah, Holy shit, that's the yeah. And I just embarrassed myself. The dynasty days? Oh, yeah, the dynasty days. I, I, I didn't come Dallas. out of my apartment for a <laughs> month. I was oh, so no, humiliated. Hey, but hold on, back in the day, there was an internet, so... That was a big deal. Uh, it was a real big deal. I had people all over the country wanting to see me. I, I got recognized at Paris Valley. I'm, I remember mm -hmm. sitting in a bar. I, I used to jump with uh, a group, Steve Fielding. Steve uh -huh. Fielding was a famous uh, jumper in Paris. He had a big group of people. We all, you know, we, we did 30 ways out of DC-3s, and yeah, nice. it was just awesome. We had such a good time, and they were such a good, great group of people. Some of them you, you might know. But uh, I heard that episode where I lost playing in the bar and oh, we were no. sitting in the restaurant at the end of the day and I'm going, oh, no. Oh, it's on. That and sucks. there it was. And I saw the waitress. She came in. She's standing in between. She's looking at 
No way. Looking at the TV, oh, looking at funny. me, that's looking at the cool. TV, that's and then I lost. Yeah, and sucks. she stopped looking at me. Oh, yeah, I don't, no broke my way. Heart. Yeah, it broke my heart. No way. Yeah, really. Dude, you're on TV in L.A. and you're sitting there. That's still a big fucking deal. Uh, not when you make a fool of yourself, which yeah. I might be doing right nah, now. Hey, uh, when did you start jumping? Um, 1973, like, I went to, uh, as part of my pararescue pipeline training, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia, spent uh, three weeks with the Army, uh, which was you know, it was great. I had a great time at Fort Benning, but we were the seven pararescue guys. So we, you know, we stayed in our own place. And I got to tell you, I got to hand it to the Army guys. In in the Air Force, we had air-conditioned barracks. Right. We had many times our own rooms. Only Paul and I roomed together uh, the entire induct or the entire pipeline just because we liked each other. Paul was right. a good, great guy. He is still. But the Army, all oh, those guys were stuffed into these these rooms. It was July in Georgia. Oh, it was so primitive. I was just in Georgia in July. It is not a Oh, it's miserable. Play. Oh, my God. I, uh, we were in, you know, getting sawdust down your pants. And uh, so, you know, after that, I didn't jump wait, again. Wait, what did you just say? You're getting sawdust so down yeah, your Yeah. You, you what does do that mean? I was like, I just stood so there like, So let me ask you this. Fuck. So when you went through, so how did you get into skydiving wise? What did you do? Did you do tandem, AFF? No, I did an IED course. Uh, okay. Instructor-assisted deployment. Okay, fine. Saturday morning. So when you went through your initial training, mm -hmm. did you do PLFs? Not really. Not really? No. Yeah, okay. Yeah, dude, this dude did not want to teach the course. I think he was just filling in. He was sweating profusely. That's all I remember, man. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. And, you know, and I thought he was the greatest skydiver ever until I got to know him. I was like, he is a fucking guy. Yeah, dude, our course was shit. Our course was such I'm shit. so sorry. Yeah, it was so bad. I used to teach that course, too. I taught that course for like five years yeah, straight. Yeah. Every weekend. I loved it. Not, I loved it. When I... Did I do? I became IAD? an IAD instructor. Uh, Jay Stokes did my course. No, okay. No, um, I didn't. Uh, okay, I didn't do IAD. I mean, I was a static, static line jump master. Yeah, that's nutty. And, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, go ahead and crawl but, out. I'm going to get this bag. All right. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> I didn't funny. jump again after Fort Benning because we went to Navy scuba school. I mean, this yeah, is such life. a cool gig. Yeah, you live life. Yeah. Oh, I live life. We went to Navy scuba school. We were there for a month out in San Diego, and uh, it just rocked. It was so, The Navy yeah. was so cool, except right. that we had to do our scuba dives in the harbor, and it was like— you, you, there was the dive barge. You'd go and you'd take a dump on the dive barge, and and then you would flush the toilet, and then you'd run to the side of the barge to uh, you know, watch stuff come out of the dive barge, and then we would do our qual dives in there, our training right. dives. But in any case, and then you know went up to Washington. You would literally shit on the dive barge. I, you know what? I I keep thinking this can't be the way that it is. They've got to treat it somehow. But I have this terrible problem with middle ear infections only there. Oh. And fortunately, this one guy who was with us, this PJ trainee who had cross-trained, he had a big bottle 
of tetracycline, which is a broad spectrum (laughs) antibiotic. And I was just eating tetracycline like crazy to keep this under control because I'd be set back in my training. I would be out of the school, medically discharged from the school, if I couldn't keep this under control. Eating tetracycline and laughing shit goes by. That's right. And so we got out of that. We went up to Washington. We did the uh, prisoner of war training, survival school, the Sierra school, Sierra school, all of that. Just had so much fun. Did you? Oh, yeah. And I got to pull a prank on my uh, roommate. Uh, So in the the Sierra school, they put you in solitary and confinement. And you're, you know, you're, you're there for like, I don't know, 18, 20 hours, something like that. Uh, you know, peeing in a can, things like that. So, so real, real quick, just to give some yeah. background. Uh, yeah. Sears School is where a soldier goes to, to um, learn how to be caught by the enemy. Learn right, how to, like, to deal with being caught. caught. So you try to so, obey, yeah, you try to yeah, obey yeah. but they're going to catch right. your ass, and they're going to throw you in a fucking locker, right? Beat the shit out of you. Yeah, they're going to they're going to do they're going to torture you. Sleep in some deprivation. Ways. It's like fucking hell. But you sound like you had a great time. Oh, you know what? Uh, I have to think that the seals went through a much more intense version of it because we had regular officers going through this training and uh, some pretty soft folks, uh, uh, you know? And so for us, most of this kind of stuff was physically was pretty easy. Uh, I mean, we, they let us out at midnight. We, we go through this obstacle course at the end of it. It's mandatory that you get caught then you get a bag put over your head. Okay, is this secret shit? Yeah, yeah, let's not go any further, just in case. Uh, anyway. Just because there's new guys going At any through, rate. we don't want to So they do this yeah. series of interrogations when you're in solitary confinement. And, you know, I pulled some actor stuff. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I did, they, I'd go in and I'd be shell-shocked. And I'd go, <laughs> and they thought it was pretty good. So... I, it was like so dawn, and they pulled me out, You're and so they took me around the side, and they they broke training. They and what they say is academic pro, uh, academic uh, situation. Right. And they said, "Okay, we liked what you did in your interrogations. <laughs> We're going to make you the collaborator." Oh, okay. Yeah, so so I went, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, perfect. perfect! You're like the best gig That's ever." Right. And then, so oh, as an actor, I know you're like, "This is my oh, chance. This is cool." Oh, that's cool. So at any rate, that's you know, cool. I had absolutely no qualms about. I'm so ashamed of myself. So at any rate, so the next phase was after the solitary confinement portion, and they 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 have ways of torturing you, which are real torture. And I won't reveal right. that, but it was massively uncomfortable for me. And it actually made me cry a couple of times because I kept getting caught being asleep in my cube. Right. But at any rate. I've never heard anything soft about any of these I, It was pretty. Uh, that part really got me. Yeah. Uh, so we went to the camp. So now you're in an open camp. And you have to organize. So everybody's there. You organize. Uh, I became the camp medic. And I also, so you have your covert committee and you have your, uh, you know, and then the overt stuff. I also got put on the covert committee as the, as on the escape committee. 
as the oh that's I, fucked up it's so fucked up and I, I thought about that and i'm like oh my god should i be doing this and so my roommate paul kalumna my roommate i love yeah. this guy paul yeah. he said jeff jeff you're on the escape committee i know what to do i can escape you're such a dick i know and i he said i need a kit and you had to give them it, to escape you had to have permission you got a kit so i gave him a kit and then i turned him in oh you and he got caught and so he got uh, caught, he got, you know, beat around, and then... <laughs> oh, he got beat around. <laughs> and then, what was his name? And, uh, Paul. Fucking Paulie. Yeah, I know. Paul. Yeah, I so, know. <laughs> my buddy from the Dominican Republic. Oh, fucking Paul, the Paul, dancer dude. Oh, my roommate, That was man. some jealousy right. bullshit. Yeah, well, guess what? What? Uh, so, Paul. So finally, back, he's, he's back in camp, and he says, okay, I got it this time. I He's gonna escape your dick. No, I gave Jeff. him another one. Then oh. he got caught. <laughs> he wound up in a bamboo cage in the center of the camp, oh, horizontal in a bamboo cage. Did you not feel any fucking remorse? Oh, I did. I did. I felt. Did he? Ever uh, find I think out? I went too far. Did he oh yeah, of course, but not right away. He didn't know. He didn't know. So, at. You're his here, fucking buddy. I am totally his buddy. I'm a total traitor, man. I was a total traitor. Uh, <laughs> so I, I will tell you well, this. What did you get for doing it? Huh? Why? 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 I, it was. I fun. was the. It, it was, was my fun. job was in my the scenario. Job. It was my, my role. job. It was my I role. I had to do it. I would be breaking training You'd if breaking I hadn't done. I, I would. I know. I was a total dick. I was just such a uh. dick. But I, I will tell you. Were they, so, was that frowned upon or was it like hoorah? I have no idea. Because. They didn't tell me you whether. You should have been what team we, fucking first, but then you were like team first because it's your team, but it's not your team because they're the captors. I'm training people. I became oh, a trainer Jesus or part Lord. of the training apparatus. But fucking I, But I got to tell you, at the end <laughs> of this thing, by this time, by by the next day, you know, you know, dawn is just about to happen. We're rebelling. We'd, we're all just complete toast. And everybody was pissed. Even right. the collaborator was pissed. Right, right, right. And so they, these guys, they were so in character and they were so great about it. They line us up. They they stick us, you know, in, get us in formation. They're yelling at us. Right. The sun comes up. The Star Spangled Banner starts playing, and the American flag goes up the pole, and you got, you know, a couple hundred guys just weeping, 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 and you, you just it. you're so full of love of country. It's because just, it was your flag. It, it, it's our flag. flag, and you love the country. And it's exactly the perfect thing to do. Beautiful. It was a gorgeous, magnificent, transformative experience. Which is why I get so much shit when I do things like defend the kneeling uh, at pro football games. Of an American. It's all it is. It's but I think that's what it's defending. I right. mean, you, you're defending the right to do that. and You know, Canada doesn't have a First Amendment, right? Neither does no, Mexico or Brazil. Like, we're like the only ones that have a freedom of speech. Hong Kong does not have a freedom of speech. Almost nobody does. 
No, I mean, that is what we have. I mean, we, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is the most precious thing to have. Right. There, are, I, and, and I'm all watch, about this freedom watch, of speech. Watch what happens when you take it from somebody. It boils over in the shootings. Oh. If you take any group, I don't care if it's white supremacist, black supremacist, immigrants. If you take away their voice and try to tell them that they 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 don't they're non they're non citizens kind of because of the beliefs. I mean, we should address it all. I should, we should hear it all. But I, putting I, a pot on it is going to make it boil over into, into violence. I, I agree with you. And because, Regardless but of you. because when people don't have a voice, rebellion is, is the only is, option. Is, is, is the option that, resur- that surfaces. And it's happened before. Right. I happen, you know, Having lived to the age of 69 and gone through the Cold War mm-hmm. and and which is still going on. They're still in the election. It, still in the- it, it's true. I mean, it was troublesome there, but it, it seemed honestly it was real because two countries had nuclear weapons. Right. They right. began to develop the ability where we could actually annihilate each other and, and ourselves others. and right. you're depending on a protocol called mutually assured destruction mad, mad that right. was the strategy as how we keep from killing each other and it actually did work. work but it sure was dangerous a lot of times as a as an elementary school kid i you know i mean we watched videos of nuclear weapons detonating we did duck and cover right. duck and cover there was a song. song. There was a damn song. So the the country, I mean, and if you go back far enough, was I mean, we fought a civil war. Right. We had slavery. Right. I mean, the country, I, I, I'm more optimistic than most people, even with the Dude, this particular evolution. Whatever, I, things man. are so much better than we are, they and were. And we're kicking ass every I, I know, day. I know. We're kind of going a little bit backwards right now on some things. I but you know, know what? We're I think correcting. as long as the system is resilient enough, it can Which recover it from almost anything. Look at where we've came from. I know. I and you're on my show right now. We're talking about skydiving. Look at where we do. Look at the opportunities I've had personally. Like, it's getting better. My kids are going to live in a world that's so much better than mine, and I'm kicking ass right now. Right. You're having a great... I came from some shit. I came from shit. Everything was hard, but now it's better. And I believe years from now, it's just getting better, man. We just have to go through growing pains. That's all it is. I agree. This country has never really faltered. It's moved forward. Even segregation sounds like, I mean, desegregation sounds like a bad word. It had to happen. My family's from Mississippi. Right. I mean, I, I, as a child, visited, you know, it was so peculiar. Uh, My grandfather was a country doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were four kids, my father, my uncle, my two aunts. Uh, they're all dead now. But, you know, my father came from Lambert, Mississippi, a small Mississippi town. And he had the kind of attitudes. He's a smart, smart guy. But he had the kind of attitudes that you would expect from somebody know. from Mississippi. Who grew and up that way, was I, taught I, that way. How do you hold it against the guy? I mean, it's it's almost child abuse to to bring kid up with such polarized views uh, because then it's just something they have to overcome. Right, uh, but but here's the deal. I remember on one particular visit, and I couldn't have been more than seven or eight, 
We went back to Lambert. We'd periodically do that to see my grandfather, my grandmother. And uh, my dad said, come on, get in the car. So I went and got in the car with him. He was, we're going to have a father-son moment. He drove down onto the black side of town. And I got to tell you, it was very different than the white side of town. The side of the oh, it was just poor. It's still like that. I'm, I know it is. Uh, I mean, I was there when I was 18, 19, and wow. I got out of there around 20. But in any case, we went up to this one house, this old ramshackle house, and out comes this enormous black woman, and she sees my father, and just, Mr. Jeff, and the tears, and, and him, him, this guy, who I'd never really expected to see this from with a black person, is sobbing uncontrollably. This woman raised him. Mm, that was his mammy. That was his nanny mammy. His mammy, yeah. Yeah, she raised him, wow, and there was so time. much love. There's so such a connection there, and then yet to have this envelope of uh, expectations of, of of prejudice and, uh, well, and, and low was. expectations. That's the way it was. It, it was, and so yeah. you know, it, it. He and I, as I got older and became much more aware in my teens and 20s and he and I would have some pretty especially after he retired mm-hmm. we'd have some pretty fierce arguments and uh, and he honestly tried to try them on but when you're looking at the world through this filter yeah, the, the dirt, anything that anybody shield. does that fits with that old pattern is just going to reinforce that pattern, right. and you're going to say, "See, there you know, yeah. uh, you know." It's it's like people looking at Chicago change. right now, and and all the violence in Chicago, and and you know, people that are against any kind of sensible effort at gun control. I live on a ranch. I have guns. Right. I mean, we have. I mean, we have yeah, a slow yeah. police response. No offense, police. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot can happen in five minutes or ten minutes. Right. So yeah, but nevertheless, I mean, look at the craziness that this goes on. I mean, are you telling me that there's nothing to do? Are you telling me that right. we can't even try to come up with some kind of sensible protocol for dealing with this? And no, let's just keep things the same. And I'm like, oh. yeah, well, that's exhausting to do? me. Well, it's exhausting the other way too. <clears throat> any solutions I've heard, any real solutions that they try to put forth is just—it's just, it's just so hard. Man. I mean, the one they in El Paso, like that, right. he, he, he bought it legally. He drove down from. It's not even from the community in El Paso. It's yeah. somebody from outside the community. What do you do? And that's from the—that's from the taking someone's voice conversation we were having earlier yep. that dude didn't have an outlet he never heard they explode it's freaking ridiculous yeah. you know trump wouldn't have i don't want to go on this rant but he wouldn't have fire away uh, you, well, well, well if there was if there wasn't a problem there's no way he could fire him up so obviously there's something going on that hasn't been addressed we need to address it people need to speak you're in academia aren't they like stripping free speech like crazy in the colleges don't you have to be like a little careful. Right. A little careful. But, but well, here's the deal. How Sam Harris, one of, one of the, yeah, I know. we're both fans of him, yeah. 
he was launched in over controversy over free speech. Right. Uh, I mean, and he always, and he's, I don't know that he seeks it out. I, Sam has got so much integrity in my mind well, that he, he, he says he, his mind. Yeah, he, it's not that he seeks it out. He just sees it and calls it, period. Calls it's it just, what it is. Yeah. And, and says, let's try and take a look at this as objectively as a human being is capable of looking at a particular controversial topic. Very fairly. Very fairly. And so people that find Sam a racist, uh, I mean, as particular issues, you know, I mean, obviously the religion thing is a, is a huge yeah. deal for Sam. And, and he said some things, uh, he famously said some things on Bill Maher's show uh, in which he got into a controversy or a conversation with Ben Affleck mm -hmm. uh, on Islam. And yeah. uh, and I remember, you know, Ben Affleck, didn't he make that movie uh, about the journal, getting the journalists out of Iran during right. the hostage situation? And so he's probably made a lot of contacts. And, uh, you know, so the context for his fiercely defensive posture, I think, probably is operating out of, you know, some of those relationships loyalties. and loyalties that he has. But Sam Harris is the one of the least race conscious people I've ever listened if you, to. But you have to listen to more than a blip or a sound You, do. Bite. you have you to do. listen to what he said before and after, like anything else. Yeah. No, I I agree. So so let's let's get back. Yeah, fire away. Um first sport jump. Okay, so here I am on Okinawa. Okay. I've got scuba jumps. I've got, and that's all we did in Okinawa just about is we did scuba jumps. I've got about 60 open water scuba jumps because it was easy to do them right. uh, in Okinawa. Um, How'd you mark the land, the LZ? Was it like some dye in the water? Yeah, you had a boat. You had a, a boat and a, uh, you had a, you know, they'd throw a, a I, I'm trying to remember exactly what they put out there but it, certainly you had the boat down there mm -hmm. and you could spot with the boat and we did the whole wind drift indicator you oh know. you did a pass no, we did a pass with the wind drift indicator so you guys get a full altitude or you guys low 1500 static line in it? operational altitude was a thousand feet a thousand a thousand feet <laughs> uh rounds? 15 rounds yeah, okay, yeah. uh 35 foot parabolic ap28s-17 yeah. uh big equipment carrying canopies because right. sometimes you had to carry gear. a fair amount of gear right uh, but in any case so you know i just got into okinawa and we start the you know i got acclimated to the whole situation uh even had a mission or two and there's this thing called the okinawa marine sport parachute club the marines would bring a chinook a C or a ch-46 you know the twin Giant rotors things yeah. yeah and uh and i said well i had wanted to skydive since uh, ripcord in the 50s okay, and then in 1968 I was mesmerized by an old movie called Gypsy Moss. Uh, Gypsy I remember Moth. I'm Gypsy Moth. Gypsy Moth. I've seen Gypsy Moth. I Fuck walked yeah, into Gypsy the theater. Moth. It was in it was in Oxford, Mississippi with popcorn and drink and and here was, here was here was the opening sequence with the 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 flags, you know, uh -huh. the the gas station flags and all of that and I went I got to do that. Right. It was five, you know, it was five years later that I actually got to do it. But they didn't have a, and there was no AFF back then, they didn't have a USPA instructor in Okinawa. So you already had to have been trained 
as a USPA skydiver uh, to skydive At with the, the Okinawa Marine, Marine Sport Parachute right. Club. So I went, okay. So I ordered a logbook from USPA. I went to the base library. I wasn't going to be stupid about it. And uh, I, I got this book by a guy named Russ Gunby, who was uh-huh. a style and accuracy guy. I don't even style know you know what style I was. Style okay, so anyway, I read the book, and then I got a, uh, another PJ, <laughs> Gary Miller, who had sixty jumps. What year was this? To show me, this is nineteen seventy. Three seventy four, seventy four, seventy four. Fucking YouTube yeah, skydiving. Uh, well, there was nothing like that. Yeah, you went to the library, you got some dude. I got you know, a book. Same yeah, fucking a thing. book. Yeah, that's exactly same right. Exact so, thing. I took the log book Hell and yeah, I faked in <laughs> my <laughs> training, <laughs> and and I didn't I didn't go out. Of, I didn't do anything crazy. I gave myself three static lines, successful jumps. But you've had what forty jumps by now? I, I, I well, I had some jumps. I mean, I, I, I probably not more than twenty. Twenty. You don't know the right correct body position. You don't know fucking anything. Well, we didn't do. We didn't do the free fall button. Yeah, yeah, you frog. Up in the frog. No, we, we yeah. Had, yeah, 1,000. Yeah, 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 that was something. Yeah. Face down, face modified. Yeah, no, we face were all jumping out in the yeah. the airborne style. So, so I took I took my law. Lo- I I, oh I joined USBA. I got a USBA card, and I presented and, and my logbook, and up. I showed up. And the president of the club at the time was a guy named Captain Wesley Fox, who was a Marine Corps Medal of Honor winner. He looked the part. Square jaw. He was Sergeant Rock. Only he was a captain at that point in time, you know, a career Marine. And he's an incredible dude. But he looked at my logbook, my USBA (laughs) card, and... And he just smiled. He's all right through you. He's all right through me. He said, okay. And so they they, they had some static line rigs. So I did two more static lines. Uh I did two hop and pops, one 10 second delay. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I did was I scooted out on my ass out of an OV 10 at 15,000 feet. What's an OV-10? An OV-10 was a forward air control aircraft. It had a slim fuselage, which has like a, it's it's an ice box. It's just that yeah, and you you're there's like four or five guys there, butt to nut, uh, you know, against each other. One goes out, then the other guy goes out, oh, then butt. the other guys goes out. We're scooting on our ass. You're sitting down. Yeah. In its shiny metal. What and rigs were you jumping? Was it piggyback? Or was it still belly mount? Oh no, or? I had a belly mount oh, reserve and an altimeter, yeah. and. Uh, and I got out of the airplane, and I started to spin. And me, I got on my face, and I immediately did started. They, did they, they briefed you, obviously, on the, when they were doing the hop and pops. They're like, "Dude, you gotta fucking do this." I practiced. I practiced in my dorm on my bed. Oh, I got, yeah, I, just, I got yeah. zero training. Right. Uh, I, I just, I, you know, I just pretended I knew what I was doing. That's how I learned a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, I'd spin one way, and uh-huh. I had practiced, right. and so. Uh, I just counter the turn. Right. And I was in a style tuck. I was doing this kind of oh, stuff. Of course you were. Yeah, you had the fucking book. That's the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this stuff. So and you're so, free falling and, style and accuracy and, guy. That's right. And eventually, oh, guess what? After about four iterations of that, because you got some time for 15 grand. Right. You kind of opened just up. just stopped. The yeah. spin stopped. And I went, Yeah. oh. 
Something might be wow. Check altitude. Oh, Don't shit. forget. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, the, the problem was that the pilots spotted it, and they really weren't very good at it. You know, right. oh, we're going on a green light, red light well, thing. you're a fucking soldier, too. Yeah, and so they put us out over a part of the island that was off the DZ, and the altitude was a little bit different. And, you know, you had set your, you had grounded your altitude, zeroed it at the DZ. And so I'm falling and I'm seeing stuff start moving around me. And I'm going, you know what? I don't know. Right. Ripcord. I, I just, I just pulled the ripcord and, uh, and, you know, got under my canopy and uh, landed fine. And so your home DZ is Okinawa. That was my starting that place. That was the starting yeah. point. How many yeah. jumps you got now? You know what? Was I stopped logging at about 2,500, uh-huh. and that was a long, long time ago. Right. Uh, I worked for a lot of companies, so I worked out in Taft. I worked at Cal City. You got and 12, they would they 10, would get no, no. I 10? I I have been saying 7,500 to 7,600 mm-hmm. for the last 15 years. Okay, so for the last four years, same thing. Here's the deal. It don't fuck with I, I'm not jumping that much anymore. Like, I go out. Yeah, it used to be. I mean, I was a working skydiver. I right. had a demo company, so I was doing demos. Right. Uh, I had a, a buddy of mine, uh, Teresha Thames. Uh, she and I would train people in L.A. who would call my uh, Yellow Pages ad, Skydive L.A., mm-hmm. And we'd train them on a Friday night in Los Angeles, take them up to Taft, and uh, jump them. And, and jump them. I'm doing that now with Wazi Circ- uh, with uh, Learn to Skydive Austin. Oh, there you go. So, See, but I do it at the same tunnel. idea. I do the first jump course at the tunnel. That's the way to do put it. Put the rig on them. We go do my courses. So dope. My students are so good. Hey man, shout Dude. out to all my students, man. You make my life easy, <laughs> dude. I've done those AFFs with the walk off the street. I'll never do that shit again. I, I got to tell you, uh, there there's a part of me that just hates you, Waz. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, I, you, I mean, <laughs> with a lot of love. Yeah, I with know. a lot of love. I know it. I mean. When the tunnel opened, I immediately uh, because you know my my first tunnel was Las Vegas, and that was back right. in the eighties. Fucking and I was in well, that was new, where man. you wore the blue the balloon suit, and there. and it got hot in there. Uh, it was just a miserable tunnel, and they had the pads because it has a yep. column, and if you fall off the column, you plummet. Yeah, and. So that was uh, dude, my we first. We had a trip planned there for like 12 people. We're going to go boogie there. At the Las Vegas Tunnel? yes. It's an awful place. It's a beautiful place. If you're a tunnel flyer, a true tunnel flyer, that is a vintage machine. That's like seeing a Stingray Corvette. We're going to go fly that Stingray. I, I would suggest that it's less like the Corvette Stingray <laughs> and more like a Model T Ford, dude. Well, even fucking uh, better, Jeff. <laughs> even better, Jeff. Not so- Come on, man. That's... that's- it, oh. It's it's like flying in prop wash because right. guess it what you're flying in prop wash. But for a tunnel rat that flies in the most advanced tunnels with the most highly trained engineers fine tuning these things monthly, I would love to drive the Model T. I'm I don't s- need a Tesla to take me everywhere. I, I, I want to shift some shit, yeah. you know. I put on baggy suit. No. I want to do a backflip off the wall back in the wind. You know, they do cool shit. I did that. Did you? That's oh, yeah. Cool I shit. mean, that was it because. I, Back That's then, cool I was physical and I was cool and I wasn't that hurt, uh, right. and you know, and, and 
you know, I I do 10, 12 jumps in a day. Right. Uh, I, you know, I could get in the tunnel and go as long as I needed to, except that tunnel, your lungs start to get seared because the air gets so, so hot. High. So yeah, when, you, so when you saw Austin, how did you feel? Well, I'd actually, uh, I did a tunnel camp in 2001. Uh, Eloy? No, uh, this was in Orlando. I actually oh, flew out okay, there to cool. do it with airspeed uh-huh. because I had just gotten accepted to the world record, the 300 way. Okay. And the 300 way had started out, it was going to be in Brazil. I was going, so I went, I had to audition. I mean, I was a nobody from a Texas drop zone. A few people knew me. I'd been around. I'd been on some fairly low-grade world record attempts, or yeah, at least 232 one. Way. Uh, I was on one of Roger Nelson's out in Lake Wales, and uh, it was not a great attempt. Uh, it was fun. Uh, that was in like Nelson 95, family. I think, find 94 maybe. Shout out to Root Nelson. Shout out to the Nelsons. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Love, I, love I mean, We're yeah. Gonna, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, Roger, going. I got to tell you, Roger was an extraordinarily interesting guy. You know, you know, yes. he'd been in prison and, yep. uh, uh, you know, it, it was just kind of crazy. And then, he told this story where he had shared a prison cell with Jim Baker, Jim Baker. and been converted to Christianity and is a born again Christian now. And, you know, we're skydivers. We're, and we're pretty cynical as it is. And we're sort of looking at him. But here's the deal. Roger Nelson was without question the most charismatic organizer I have ever ever witnessed in my life. We had this very poor attempt. It was underpowered. Some people had showed up and they had just, you know, I think uh, Guy Manos, who was a big gun in those days, you know, movies. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he, was a, he, was, he was a star in the sport at the time and a couple of other people. And Roger was going to do it his way. And, and these guys left. So we were down. The current world record at the time was 200. We got it to a point where we were trying to build a 201 way just to break the record. We actually got that close. I was two slots over from a guy that you may remember, Jerry Bird, uh, Wings of Orange, very, very famous skydiver in his day. Uh, But at at any rate, we had just failed again. We'd been there all Mm. week. And so everybody was like, why, why are we doing this? Let's just, just, just quit. Right. And Roger, in a minute and a half, 90 seconds, had everybody just jumping up and down, screaming, yeah, let's build this thing. And then we went up and the spot was off because of clouds. I landed on a golf course somewhere. And the people that were everywhere, it? no, fuck no. Oh. <laughs> we didn't get close. Oh, it was, I mean, we were, <laughs> we were one grip story. away from it. On several uh, tries before, but people got yeah. tired, you know. Yeah, you get tired. Yeah, get I mean, tired. the first world record I was on, Pat Dodgen uh, got me involved in, and he was a pirate from Florida. And that was in 1990 with Blots R Us, uh, uh, Scotty Carbone. Scotty Carbone. Yeah. Hey, Watts, come on over here. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I love Scotty, yeah, dude. Yeah, I love Scotty uh, saved my ass yeah, as ever hills. Van Weideman. Uh, we actually had a guy killed on it. Uh, he was sitting across from me, Steve Woodford from uh, Eloy. Uh, uh, oh, he's sitting across from you in the otter. He was uh, Steve Woodford was in the same, not otter. 
Well, we see three, yeah. yeah. And the, the, but the guy who died was sitting across from both of us, I think, uh-huh. in the DC three. And Steve and I have talked about this. I did his ten weight team one year. That was the year he didn't win. Um, <laughs> Good job, Jeff. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, all I saw was, wham! Somebody he had he was bleeding from the nose. He had sinuses were bleeding. And it'd come up, oh, you had to have like a frap hat on or, or a Protec or something. And it got over his goggles. He couldn't see. He flew 50 feet over 154 person formation. And uh, he just got in the burble, landed on a girl's back, almost took her. I mean, he took her out of the formation, obviously. Right. But, you know, she wasn't quite the same after that event. And then I just saw him headed down through the center. Uh, on his back, he's obviously unconscious. unconscious. And Scotty Carbone and Van Weideman chased him down to a grand. Mm-hmm. There were there was one AAD on the entire load. Yeah, I'm saying they're not even. Fucking yeah, they weren't even in practical use. Probably an use. FXC. FXC was the, was what it was. It yeah. was on the reserve. One guy had the FXC, and everybody then. Oh, let's stay away from that guy because that FXC so might go fire. off prematurely right. and kill somebody. And that's why we didn't wear that stuff. Right. And it wasn't until Cypress came along and they just seemed to be pretty rock solid. And well, they were in a little started. glass vial that's going to explode if you're going too fast. That was a fucking crazy system. Dude. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, metal, it looked like a yeah. GoPro. <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> it looked like a GoPro on your fucking right. If you guys don't know what an FXC is, it's one of the original AEDs and it looked like a GoPro on your housing. And it wasn't even digital. There wasn't a battery. No, you had a dial. It you was totally it. analog. Yeah, you dialed it up. That's to right. Your altitude, or and and it, yeah, you dialed it to, because you could use it with students. Right. And I worked for a guy named Bill Jones. Great guy. I love Bill Jones. Uh, hope he gets in the Hall of Fame someday. Well, he certainly it. deserves it. I worked for him at Taft, okay. and I did. Uh, he taught me a lot. He was a mentor to me. He was an old Air Force guy who used to do some secret stuff and. Uh, Just a great guy. And his deal, his entire family is in the skydiving business. Jeff Jones, Sherry Jones, uh, Shelly Jones. I know Shelly. Yeah. Blonde hair Shelly. Yeah, blonde hair Shelly. Yeah. Holy fuck, I know Shelly Jones. Eloy. I know Shelly from Eloy. Right. I mean, I worked for pretty much everybody in the Jones family. And so I came up there after I had uh i went up fucking crazy i went to eloy and i was on the jones family uh 10-way speed star team one year Uh and and i was like the red-headed stepchild on the team uh you know but you know they've 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 been great to me over the years and i love them dearly they're they're some of my dearest friends but in any case um i i can't remember what the hell I was. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. It's, hey, uh, hey, it's okay. We're, we're going to review this crazy fucking video and I have a little bit of background on okay, it. Okay, tell me. It came out. Normally we do a Friday freak out. Shout out to uh, uh, Andrew Revis and team. Uh, jointheteam.com. Hashtag join the team. Uh, I love skydiving.org is the original site. Uh, thank you for compiling everything. I'm glad you're being successful. I'm glad you're going to the stars, bro. You've done it right. Um, we're not doing a Friday freak out tonight. This video isn't on Friday Freakout yet. I got it before you did, doggy. Hey, but uh, everybody got it today. You just haven't posted it yet. Where did it happen? Um, it sounds like, I want to say Russia, Poland. Okay. 
Maybe you recognize it. Oh, we're not gonna be I, I didn't. Yeah. I, and I looked at the comments yeah. to try and discover where it came from, and right. they weren't in English. Right. So what it sounds like after some investigation is they're running two planes. Right. Because everybody wanted to blame the guy. Right. That was that fucking guy. And, um, so what happens, guys, if you haven't seen it, it's a uh, uh, fun jumper in free fall. He's doing his thing, and he falls through a tandem canopy. And we get both views, and it's fucking crazy because he rips the canopy, and they have to chop. But here's the deal. I was explaining to somebody at the drop zone today, Jess. Shout out to Jess at Skydive Lone Star. Shout out to Joe Johnson, everybody at Skydive Lone Star. Um, my, me and my boys play a lot of video games. <clears throat> and we watch play, people play video games, yeah. right? And at the end of some of my rounds, you can watch your teammates. So you're dead, but you can watch your teammates and you can still like communicate with them. Right? And these are shoot 'em up games. From beyond. From beyond. Right. So <laughs> so sometimes you're watching them. And you don't know what they're looking at. But the bad guys right there on the right, you can fucking see him clearly. They don't see him. And you got to type in, hey, he's on the right. And then you see him go, oh, shit, oh, shit. And then he shoots. But it's on the screen, but he doesn't see it. Are they shooting into nothing from their point of view? Or do they see no, him when you like, tell them? Okay, so sometimes there's supplies on the ground. Yeah. Sometimes they're looking at the map or something. They're, you can tell they're not aware that there's a guy running directly at them. Okay. But you, we all see the same thing. It's just their attention is not there. So when I was explaining this to them, I was like, hey, because they're like, oh, they, he should have saw that canopy and tried to track or something. Fuck, you got milliseconds to decide that, for one. But two, if you're clear on your jump, because you got out of a different plane than these people. You don't know that it's the pilot's right. fault is what I'm going to say. It's the pilot's fault or the ground communication's fault. Somewhere communication fell apart between these loads because he's on top of the tandems from the previous load. right? He's probably the first jumper out, solo belly, of the second load because the tandems are out last. Right. So he didn't fucking see him. Otherwise, he would have done something different because this has happened in da Skydive Dallas. Fuck, what are their names? You guys know your fucking names. Oh, I know you guys. They're my friends, right? But one dude tried to deploy in this situation and still went through okay. the canopy. But he tried to deploy. And it happened again a couple years later, and this girl tried to overtrack, and her feet hit the top and tore it. But she didn't get hurt. Nobody got hurt. Right. But I believe, from what I've heard in the past, it's not to the last fucking You don't see it coming, obviously. No matter what your GoPro sees. GoPro's a wide angle. Yeah. Okay. So it's clear, because I did see that video when it got posted. Mm -hmm. And I think it actually got posted on uh, skydive spaceland san, Mar san marcos mm. uh and i think thomas wrote a few things about it this is what happens when you're running two airplanes or something like that it might might be i might be okay. wrong about well, that probably shout out tom hughes yeah so uh i i have to say i've been in that situation before but I had plenty of time. Usually when you're running two airplanes, you'll offset one or, uh, or you know, something like that. Uh, or there's enough vertical separation, but tandems open high. I mean, tandems will frequently open at 55, 500, uh, 5,000 feet, sometimes that's, six. That's protocol. Son. That's, that's the protocol. But I've been, I've been uh, break off, tracking away, and I go, oh, tandems. tandems. And so you just... You know, you change your angle as early as you possibly can, and it's never been an issue for right. me. But I've had Yoshi get on me. You know, Yoshi. Well, you're an old school motherfucker. Well, he, what were you dumping at no, back in the Marine Corps uh, Okinawa joint? Twenty five hundred? Were you waving oh, off at two? Oh my God! We used to uh, <laughs> before squares. Yeah. 
breaking off at 2-5 was not unknown. What are we out of? Well, okay, okay, okay. We need yeah, to yeah, do yeah. the video. Let's breaking, do the video. Breaking off at 2-5. Yeah, we did stupid stuff. Yeah, you fucking Lots of stupid mind. stuff. <laughs> nah, we did that. All you guys. Yeah, we did that. We did yeah. that. Crazy fuck. So, yeah, Yoshi got on you. Yeah. Hey, and, um, if anybody's That's, can, he's close. Yeah, he's... Well, this, he, is, I, this is into the video. Okay. Hey, if anybody... So, they show a couple... This is great editing, guys. Thank you for doing this. Look at this shit. Boom, son! Oh my God! So the, the it's it's a giant tandem canopy in your face, dog, and free fall. You hit it, dude's flipping out of control. He doesn't know what happened. I don't think he ever saw it. I can't I, believe he's not broken. I think he was looking forward and never even saw it because he does nothing to change his body position before it happens. He doesn't even brace. He's in free fall as normal, like checking his altitude. Right. So here's a tandem view. Homeboy waves off, he dumps, everything's good. They're having a conversation. He's like, hey, how was it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, you're doing your tandem gig. Yeah, yeah. And here's the deal. If anybody's confused of why tandems dump high, there's a lot of reasons. But if you got outside video, you got to give the guy a chance to open. There's a lot of reasons tandems dump high, man. Listen to the experience. It, oh, oh So these two like, are it, having a nice ride over a beautiful bay. And he's still got a square canopy with... Shout out to that fucking manufacturer. No kidding. And he just took a skydiver, and that thing looks like you might be able to land that motherfucker. It does. I looked at the, that. Yeah. I said, but, you know, basic but training. But why? But why? Blue sky above. Yeah. Cut away. But he had his uh, center two cells were ripped in a couple parts. It looked like his foot through one, went, went through one part, and then his body went through the other, and he flipped off of it. All I see right now in the video is a girl has a bloody nose. She had some big black glasses on, and then she ends up with a bloody nose. Boom! And then the, the editor puts in both views so you can see in right. real time. Right, see, see the timing on it. Holy shit. So, this is out of our hands as fun jumpers. This situation, I mean, yes, so head, head on a swivel. Dude, I do a barrel roll. I check for all my friends. But if somebody from a previous load, dude, it's so much. There's a lot going on. How do we avoid this, Jeff? Well, it, it's up to the organizers. Right? Well, in it's terms of the tandem, uh, you know, the two airplanes and the tandem thing, I mean, that's a matter of offsetting jump runs, making Pilots sure that yeah, that's a more of a pilot issue, I think. But right. as a jumper, if, if you really don't want to die, you really need to be completely as situationally aware as you can hyper hyper situationally aware hyper because you're it's skydiving yes. you're gonna see stuff yes. happen yes. i mean i've done a lot of big ways right and on big ways i've had close calls I've of had, course how do you not how do you not i've had spinning malfunctions on big ways and i've in an ocean of people an ocean of people i've you know how you know you're tracking away and i tend to track really flat right and so you're somebody's down here you go okay and they just oh and this, this thing you're just going oh my god come on Jeez. why are you doing that there's nobody below you what are you trying uh, to avoid in their mind they're like i'm killing it, I'm killing it right <laughs> that's right <now>. i'm killing it <laughs> and 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 i've cause those situations in tracking groups sometimes because I'll be in the second wave mm -hmm. and eh, I would have to say I have a second fair wave. track 
uh, we break off in tracking so groups. So you have the outer. Groups. Yeah, the outer group. And then the here comes wave. the second group, which usually breaks off 500 feet below. And, and I uh, will unintentionally catch up with, with the, the first, first wave. wave. And I'll go, oh, my God, I've created oh. this situation. And here's the deal with the first wave. Those guys go long and fucking hard. And, and they low. get two out all the time. First wave always gets two out. How many two outs have you had, Jeffy? One. You no, no, just okay. once. Holy fuck. From Cypress Fire. Don't want to admit that. <laughs> That's all. Was was either that or you went out of sequence. I was just no. It was just pure stupidity, dude. Uh, it was this situation, uh-huh. and finally got it clear. Uh-huh. Person pulled. I pulled. <laughs> and, and I, I, I. So I looked at my. Uh, oh, it's so stupid. That's just so stupid. I can't believe it. So uh, I looked at my altimeter after I settled out, and I go, oh, please, no, 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 no. Pop! There goes the cypress. I was under a full main, and then the cypress fired, and I just could not. It's over. It's, it's over, and I got a biplane, and I flew the biplane you get a in. Biplane. Yeah. Oh, God bless. At least you had a biplane. This was on a Texas state record oh, in geez. Houston. Spaceland. Or Spaceland. Was no, yeah, it was in Rasharan. And I should have been cut immediately. Uh-huh. It's probably embarrassing to... Uh, the low, low, well, well the way. organizer was Tom Jenkins. And okay. Tom's dead. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say, God rest his soul, but I'm an atheist, so I can't. Uh, Well, I can't. Hopefully his soul has rest. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, But in any case, they were (laughs) shorthanded. And if they were going to get it, so they didn't cut me, and I had to borrow borrow a rig from somebody. They didn't cut me. And uh, they probably should have. It was just absolutely negligent in that. And I put somebody else in danger to boot. You know, that's why we didn't wear cypresses in the bad old days, because uh-huh. we said, you know, if I kill myself, OK, I, I, I can I'll deal, deal with that. I, I'll deal with that. But the else, last so. thing I want to do is take another yeah. human being out. Right. I, I just right. uh, it's still true today. You fucks. It is totally the rule. Go fucking do whatever you want, dude, but don't take us out. I'm not really afraid of being dead, but I would hate to be alive knowing that That I'd cause somebody else to be dead. Dude, I don't want anybody to get hurt doing this shit. Me either. I love the sport. I hope to hell it doesn't kill me or any more of my friends, but I've been in it long enough that, I mean, we've both lost people. And it's the nature of the beast. You tried it. I mean, I was, I've been an, an AFF instructor since 1990. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I still yeah. got a rating, but I'm giving it up this year. Why would you do that? Because I don't want to do it anymore. Well, you don't have to do it, but you can. No, I don't want to. I know. Hey, I gave up my tandem rating. Everybody's yeah, I like, gave mine up, too. They're like, dude, you don't have to do it. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. The only rating I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking about keeping is my pro rating. Uh, really? Because the pro rating... Well, the only reason is if I can persuade them, because I've done a lot of demo, lots of demo jumps, mm-hmm. is Skydive San Marcos Spaceland. And thank you so much for uh, uh, taking over ownership right. of that property. 
Um, they've teamed up with Texas State, and they're reinstituting demo jumps into Texas State so football if, stadium. If the professor I would love to fly yeah, oh with the flag of the ball. That would be, be cool. That would be so cool. Dude, you, your esteem in the yeah, student body would yeah, shoot through the I mean, I can live without it. I'm happy. Yeah, but why not but, get but it? Get I that mean, glory, son. Come on. So why, why go learn to skydive? Huh? Why go learn to skydive? In life, you have uh, – life is an absolutely wonderful jewel, a trillion to trillion one shot for each of us. Right. And then it's over. So, you know, four and a half billion years of planet Earth, 13.785 billion years of the universe evolving, and then that trillion to trillion chance of one sperm, one egg getting together, and you happen. This is your shot to have the most magnificent experience that you can in life. Now, there are a lot of ways to have that. And just being alive is, is absolute magic. And being grateful for and it. And being grateful for it, enjoying it, and trying to do some good in the world. Try and help other people have that, uh, that same kind of experience. But there are levels of experience that are sort of ordinary and mediocre in the grand scheme of the human condition. And skydiving is this opportunity to fill your brain with magical vision when magic, the only real magic in the world is the magic that you create out of your life and, and having that fulfillment and satisfaction. I have in my 46 or so years of skydiving built up a catalog of memory that lets me know that whatever I screwed up in my life, however many mistakes that I have made, my life has been rich mm. with experience. And it has so many of them that I can't count them. And I, because you have more than one experience on every skydive. Right. It's been a community that gave me a home, people that hired me, who trusted me with the lives of other people mm -hmm. to do this. And every time you skydive, uh, you're being trusted with chance. the lives of other human it's beings, including your own. I had students this morning. I, I, it's a, it's a, it could happen. You yeah. know it on the way up, but, but you do your best. Yeah, you do your best to keep people alive, keep yourself alive. But when you're focused on other people and keeping them alive, that is your focus. And you trust right. yourself to do what you need to do for yourself. But right. it's all your focus is take care of this person. Right. And, and that, I, I love that. And I loved being an instructor. But I just physically... Uh, it, yeah, the grind is the, the grind. I mean, tandems wore me out. I, I, I played football way longer than I should, and that, that kind of cut into uh, so, my so, longevity in the so sport. Before we close this out and yeah. we go to the book, I want to ask this question because I, I think it's relevant and serious. 
you've done the jumps, you've done the demos, you've done movie star shit, big ways, the, the, the skydivers over 60 jumps, 232 people, 300 people. You've been doing this shit since the 70s, man. You've been killing it, right? But you're still going. And you say, you know, the pain is fucking crazy of getting older, and you've taken care of yourself, but the football's run you down, the the issue. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. I, I Every, don't regret yeah. but, martial arts training. But, but, you, yeah. but why do you keep jumping there? If you've already done it, why do you keep showing up? I see you. I see you all the time. Why are you still out there, Jeffrey? No, I still love it. I'm still in love with free fall. I'm still in love with... Uh, I'm in love with the visions that it puts in my head. Uh, I, I, also, I also love the community. Uh, not always. I mean, skydiving, as we all well know, has its share of assholes like yes. every other community. I being one of them. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm one too sometimes. <laughs> uh, hopefully hey, not asshole, all right? the time. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the call. <laughs> that's hey, the asshole, asshole, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I, I still enjoy it. Now, I'm cl- I'm so far so closer to the end than I am the beginning, and I do see the end of it. But when I'm done, there's no going back, and it's hard to keep my skill set. So mm-hmm. I'm not, like I said before, I am by all the training and the working out, which is a natural thing for me to do anyway. I'm trying to die much more slowly, slowly and I'm also trying to keep this going as long as I can. Because when it's over, it's over. It's over. And you know what, we don't, a lot of us don't get to choose our last jump. I've only heard a story of two people doing it, right? Two people going, they're older. One dude was in Zephyr Hills, his cypress kept firing and they were like, yeah. ground him, so he's gonna do one more. That's fucking awesome. Because a lot of times, we pack up our shit from the DZ and we leave like we're coming back next weekend and we never do. Yeah. Something happens, somebody gets pregnant, you get fired, life happens, you have to move. Well, Sam Sam Harris said that about, he said, you never know when you're going to do something for the last last time. time. Uh, And it it may never occur to you. I hope that I actually do know when I'm making my last skydive and that I can make it special, celebrate it. I mean, if it's a skydive, it'll be special in some way just because it's a skydive. But I I hope it's not a surprise like, you know, ow. Right, yeah, right, (laughs) right, right. That's not the surprise I'm looking for. But it might be. But I'm here to say uh, on the Wazi Circus that Uh if that is the way that my life ends, I, I have lots of regrets, but skydiving isn't one of them. Not at all, buddy. Not at all. All right, one more question as an yeah. atheist, and you we're bet. not going to do all this too long. Yeah. Have you not seen God in the sunset under canopy over Texas skies with all I your see, friends? I see natural beauty. I think that the natural world is, it fills me with awe. To say that I'm not a spiritual person would be wrong. I think I'm a deeply spiritual gotcha. person. I think that I... I love discovery, and I love that the human race has gotten itself to the point where it can start to let go of these these ideas that have been filling in 
for reality, for mm. what's actually going on. Now, we'll right. never know. I, I can't say that there's no God. I just can say with very clear uh, confidence that the evidence to support that notion just isn't there. Show me the evidence and, and, and I'm in. As a but scientist, well-spoken as a just, scientist. I just don't see it. Okay, so we're going to read from yeah. uh, No Shit, There I Was, Thought I Was Going to Die, Skydiver Stories compiled by Tim Long and Doug Gar. What a wonderful book. Thank you guys for doing that. Thank you for tuning in to the Wazi Circus Radio. So this was written by Mary Stage, uh, and in the title is So O O. Low. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. <laughs> it seems like my jumping days were kind of sedate compared to some of the wild and crazy antics in the sky I've heard from my fellow skydivers. I didn't have, I did have a few close calls, such as when I had to raise my knees to my chin to avoid some electrical wires, barely clearing them. Also, I had a night jump that scared the shit out of me. That jump was on August 19, 1978, at Paris, out of a DC-3. I jumped solo and was prepared and briefed by Bob Zelaya before the jump. I had all the glow sticks and chem lights, everything I would need to successfully complete the night dive. I was hyped up and ready for the first nocturnal leap of my career. After I exited, I was blown away by the bright stars, close enough to touch. However, almost all of my lighting gear blew away too soon. So I was mostly in pitch black, not able to read my altimeter. That kind of unnerved me. But I figured I'd been falling for about 20 seconds. So at about 2,500 feet, I checked for other jumpers, saw that I was alone, and pulled my mane. It opened without a hitch. Everything was perfect. I was again enjoying the view, looking around at other jumpers in the distance, and began to focus on the landing area. All of a sudden, I heard sound not 10 feet away from me. Someone was still in free fall. I finally heard a canopy opening not far from me. I couldn't believe someone was so close to me had almost hit my canopy and opened so low. It had to be below 500 feet. She had a very short canopy ride, practically non-existent. Yes, we all landed with no problems. I chatted with the gal who opened so low. She said she didn't know where she was or at what altitude. She just did a Hail Mary opening. Well, I love the experience, but losing the lightning gear f freaked, <laughs> losing the lighting gear freaked me out, as did the close call with other jumper. So there were a few seconds that when I felt, okay. No shit. No shit. There I was. Thought I was going to die. Thought I was going to die. die. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Screwed up the last bet. Oh, you're all good. It's and MGT that's Mary Stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff McVeigh, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Wazzy Circus Radio. Learn to skydive. It'll change your life and save mine. Check us out. Peace. Thanks, Waz. Oh, man. Fucking anytime, Jeff. <laughs>
flow. Yeah, let's go! Woo.